Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the first ever episode of my new project called From My View. Uh, this podcast is something that I have been talking to, talking about for about a year now with family and friends. Conceptually, really started to dig into over the last month. And then this past weekend, really, really ripped off the Band-Aid. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, my name is Tim Hill. I am a member of the Reaching the Summit podcast group where we cover a Division I men's basketball conference uh, comprised mostly of Midwest schools like my alma mater, South Dakota State. We have North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota. Locally here we have University of St. Thomas. And then uh, as you continue to listen to some of my episodes here, you'll hear me talk a lot about Oral Roberts University down in Tulsa, as that is a team that I cover uh, quite a bit for our group over there at Reaching the Summit, uh, whether I'm blogging, interviewing, tweeting, what may be, those will be guys that uh, you'll come to know uh, through my project here. Uh, why I, am I doing this now, if you may ask? Uh, I, I love sports, very passionate about it. College basketball is something I've been involved in for uh, almost 15 years now in some capacity. Uh, back when COVID had us locked down, I needed something to do. I was bored at home, uh, working from home, not being around people, and reached out to this group. Our uh, head man, Todd Buckingham, who runs that podcast, uh, just talked to him a little bit about how I could be involved. I got assigned to Oral Roberts University as their uh, key blogger for the group, as uh, I previously mentioned, and that was the year that they went on that magical Sweet 16 run with Max Acemas. Uh Hopefully, you'll hear from Max here in a few weeks as I'm trying to set up a few things with them, um, and that uh, through that experience, got to do some interviews, jumped on Todd's uh, podcast, Reaching the Summit, um, and Got to do a lot of fun things throughout that process. Started to get to know that coaching staff, some of their players, and uh, my role with the uh, group here has expanded uh, in a few different ways. Last year, uh, with St. Thomas coming into the conference, started uh, attending more league games through that, and uh, naturally just got to know uh, Johnny Tower over there, the head men's basketball coach, who you'll hear from here shortly um, over the last season. And, uh, you know, a lot of the other coaches there, players especially, and, uh, you know, really just realized that uh, I have something here that I could offer to fans of the league, uh, friends of mine who know what I love and what I'm passionate about as well. Um, what to expect here on my show? Uh you know, a lot of college basketball talk, a lot of college hoops uh, with the Summit League Basketball Conference. That'll be a big emphasis on what I talk about here. I'll also, you know, touch base on the local scene, the Gophers. I'm a big uh, fan of Ben Johnson and what he's doing there in Dinky Town with Minnesota Gophers basketball team. And then uh, if you don't know, I was a uh, uh, a graduate assistant for South Dakota State back in the day. So have a lot of connections throughout the uh, college scene. So try to bring in some old friends, current friends at uh, different schools across the country as well. 
Um, on top of that, you might know that I'm also involved in the local boxing scene here in Minneapolis uh, through a good friend of mine. Uh, his, his name is Vince Wright. He has a podcast of his own called Sports Done Right. Uh, got me connected with the Armory downtown, some folks there, and uh, I help uh, promote and talk about through social media about events coming up there. Uh, this last weekend, we had a big fight night. Uh, a guy that we, my group of friends here, we support, David Morell Jr., a uh, Cuban fighter who uh, defected here to the Twin Cities about four and a half years ago, five years ago maybe, uh, is a guy that we follow closely. I've got to uh, meet him a few times and uh, uh, kind of become friends. We'll see how that goes. Hoping he's another guest down the line that uh, we'll get on here as well so a lot of boxing talk talk uh, throughout the year that'll be more sporadic as college basketball will be the big focus and then um as usual i'll uh, probably uh describe my um minnesota sports fandom and the misery that is being a minnesota sports fan through the vikings the twins uh the gophers all that etc etc um as I mentioned earlier, the name of this podcast is From My View. You might wonder, what's in the name? Why would you choose something like that? If you don't know who I am, you don't know what I look like. Um, I'm not your typical uh, member in the sports world. I'm only four or five. I have a condition called dwarfism. So I, I, I have a different perspective on the world of uh, basketball and sports in general. Um, you know, you see a lot of those uh, features on ESPN of the the ball boy that got in uh, playing a game, playing a varsity basketball game in a blowout and the crowd erupts. I never wanted to be that. You know, I realized early on I wasn't going to be an athlete. So I found other avenues to be involved uh, in the game of basketball or other sports uh, throughout high school and then college. And uh, now has been an opportunity where I uh, have found another avenue to be involved in the world of sports. But uh, being that I am, you know, short, uh, I think a lot of people are a little less guarded when I approach them to talk sports or uh, when I'm around a basketball team or any other at pro athlete or college athlete. And so, um, honestly, I've, I've gotten a lot of access that maybe others haven't just because of that fact and you know a lot of doors have shut on me uh due to you know what i am but uh, a lot of doors have opened and i'm definitely taking advantage of a lot of that so hope to bring uh you know a lot of my experiences to this show so you know what to uh other lineup expectations weekly i'll kind of recap uh the last week or weekend of the summit hoops slate uh, talk Gophers basketball, as I said, and and other different topics this week uh, on this show. I'm going to talk some boxing, uh, talk some Summit League hoops, as Monday night was the opener of college basketball season. So a lot of fun with uh, our group that we had there at Reaching the Summit podcast. So, uh, yeah, with that said, we'll get uh, get on with the lineup here. Uh, first thing that I'll get into before we jump into the basketball scene is uh, the boxing event that happened here this last weekend at the Armory. Uh, there is uh, some unfortunate news that caused some headlines with that. 
um, that I'll get to in a moment here. But uh, yeah, if you have never been to the Armory, it's a great uh, it's a great venue. A lot of concerts happen there, but uh, over the past couple of years, it's become a real strong boxing venue. Showtime Boxing uh, comes here quite often, multiple times a year, and so they have a contract there. Uh, which you'll see me uh, talk a lot about through social media. But on uh, Saturday night, our guy, David Morell Jr., had a big fight, fought a tough op opponent out of Kazakhstan, uh, named Idos Jerbosanuli. Uh, tough guy, 16-0. and 0. Uh, This was this had a lot of buildup, this fight. Uh, David's on the cusp of superstardom. Uh, he's a 168-pound fighter, super middleweight. Uh, for those that uh, wondering what weight class that is, uh, that is the same weight class as Saul Canelo Alvarez, who's probably the most famous boxer uh, right now, not named uh, Floyd Mayweather Jr. But uh, this past weekend, David had his fight. Like I said, a lot of buildup, a lot of trash talk between these guys. Uh, David is Cuban. Idos comes from that Russian background. So there's a lot of national pride on the line with this fight and they talked a lot of it a lot about that through their press conferences leading up to it there's a pretty fun showdown at the weigh-ins on friday and uh yeah then saturday came and uh the card was spectacular top to bottom a lot of exciting fights there uh the guys there at the armory showtime boxing and then my pr connection there rob lear of lear communications who's really the the glue guy that puts that show together uh they put on a tremendous tremendous event every night out and uh this fight on paper it looked like it was going to be a tough fight uh for david really going to be the toughest fight of his career as he tries to make that next jump but uh really from uh start to finish it was a master class in boxing david's an exciting fighter He's long, he's tall, at, and uh, very big and athletic for his weight class, uh, oftentimes having a reach advantage of seven to eight inches on his guy, which is massive in the world of boxing. But, uh, yeah, the fight, uh, it, it really wasn't a contest. David just put on a show uh, utilizing his skill, his athleticism, his speed, and uh, got to a point where – Idos, he's a tough boxer. We didn't know if he'd uh, go down or not with uh, everything that uh, David was throwing at him. But the 12th round came out, started with a bang. David dropped a left straight on him and uh, put Idos on his butt. And then uh, he was really hanging on for the Idos was really hanging on, literally hanging and holding on to David for the rest of that 12th round. Finally got broken up, and David just unleashed a merciless combination of punches ending in a right hook that was just devastating knocked idos out on his feet it was uh you know a spectacular moment um as it was a clear-cut knockout the place erupted as david has a great amount of support here in the twin cities uh when you see me tweeting about his next fight whenever that comes out you're gonna want to attend that if you like the sport of boxing let me know um, I'll usually have tickets for that, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was an exciting moment, uh, just a great finish to an otherwise amazing night. And, uh, you know, David showing the class of a person he is by helping Idos back to his corner, who was clearly still out, uh, wobbly, couldn't, uh, 
couldn't really function very well. Um, unfortunate news uh, that came the next day, though, as uh, really Eidos' corner should have thrown the towel in a few few rounds earlier, as uh, he unfortunately reports coming out that he slipped into or was put into a medical-induced coma to help with a uh, cerebral hematoma, I believe is what they said. Some weird reports coming out of Eidos' camp as they're saying he's fine, he's not in critical condition, and then other reports saying he had brain surgery. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, just some weird reports there uh, on what his condition is. But everybody in the boxing community is really rooting for him to uh, make a comeback in this. You know, Unfortunately, I hope he never fights again. That's the type of fight that will... Uh, that really should make him think about maybe not pursuing the sport anymore. But from a, you know, just a simple living and life standpoint, I hope he recovers uh, fully from that injury. Uh, you love to see knockouts. You love to see exciting fights, but you never want to see a guy get hurt in the ring, especially to that manner. Um, but moving forward uh, that night, uh, it was announced that a uh, quick turnaround for the armory. We'll have another fight here on December 17th, a uh, little over a month, and it'll be headlined by 235 pounders, two very exciting young prospects in Frank Martin and Mikel Rivera. Uh, both are uh, up-and-comers trying to make that next-level jump to uh, really start them. And uh, I'll have a lot more information as we get closer there. Um, another angle, a one of us angle, is uh, formal, former IBF uh, super middleweight champion Caleb Truix Jr. Uh, announced uh, on Saturday night that he hopes to make a comeback and is hoping to be on that card. So that would be exciting to see him in action as he uh, had a very successful career in boxing. He's been out of the sport for a couple of years, but hoping to make a comeback there. So uh, that'll do it for the boxing uh, portion of this. And uh, next I'll get into a little Summit Hoops Roundup. Uh, as most of you that are listening are probably here for that. So let's just get into it. Uh, Monday night, uh, was opening night for college basketball, and the Summit League had an amazing slate of games. A lot of uh, three top ten opponents for uh, Summit League teams. Omaha, uh, they played Kansas. It played a tough first half, but it got away from them. Uh, North Dakota State, they played a top ten team in Arkansas. Uh, North Dakota State's battling some injuries, so beginning of the year might be a little rough for them, but Dave Richmond, a friend of mine, up there in North, up in uh, Fargo, there he'll have that program looking good once the season gets undergo under uh, underway and they get all their bodies back and healthy. Um, and then locally here, St. Thomas, which I'll dive into a little deeper here in a moment, they took on number nine Creighton down in Omaha, and that was uh, that was truly a spectacular evening for them for a lot of different reasons here. Um, and uh, in a bit, I'll actually jump into a uh, interview with head coach Johnny Tower, who I've uh, really become to really gotten to know over the last year. A guy I truly admire and respect a great deal. Uh, someone who has allowed me uh, a lot of access into their program, and it's been a fun experience so far. 
But uh, yeah, Saturday or Monday night was uh, real exciting. My alma mater, South Dakota State Jackrabbits, they really kicked things off uh, for the league uh, when they took on Akron, the Akron Zips out of the MAC, who was a tournament team last year. Uh, really strong team. Uh, they uh, won their conference tournament and almost had a first round upset over UCLA. They returned two two really tremendous players. Uh, Xavier Castaneda, who's an absolute sharpshooter, and then uh, a forward by the name of Enrique. Um, uh, all of a sudden, his name's um, slipping my mind, but uh, a, a young man uh, there who Enrique Enrique Freeman. There we go. Sorry about that. Both of those guys had big nights for the Zips and truly were the difference makers in the end. But that was an exciting game throughout. Uh, throughout that whole contest. The Jacks coming off a record-breaking year. They went undefeated last year in Summit League, never been done before, uh, losing a couple program greats in Doug Wilson and uh, Baylor Shireman. Doug Wilson graduating. Baylor decided to uh, transfer uh, onto uh, bigger things. He's now at Creighton, who uh, we saw play St. Thomas there. Uh, both made tremendous impacts on that program. Now on to different things. Uh, the program also saw um, Noah Friedel, who went through some things, but was a, a big impact player for the program, also uh, moved on as well. But this team, it's young, it's exciting. It's still got some veteran players in Alex Arians and Matt Detlinger, uh, along with Charlie Easley, uh, just a Charlie Hustle, as they call him. But uh, a couple of young guys in the in the name of Zeke Mayo and uh, a freshman newcomer, Will Kyle the Third, a guy who uh, tremendous amount of potential, six nine two twenty, can jump through the gym, true rim protector that uh, will look to uh, hope to really kind of fill that void that Doug left for the Jackrabbits. And uh, next week, actually, we'll have. Uh, an, a fun interview with uh, Coach Eric Henderson that we recorded uh, on Friday, so I'm looking forward to that. But the game, it was it was a neck and neck battle all throughout, uh, really from the start. The Jacks reached an eight point lead, but other than that, it was usually a couple possession difference throughout the game, and then uh, we had a wild ending at the for regulation. About 26 seconds left, Jacks were up two. Um, and uh, the Zips came down, driving to the basket, tried to tie the game. Matt Ding, Matt Dentlinger with a block, and uh, unfortunately was called for a foul. The Zips tied it up with some free throws, and then the Jacks tried to play for the last shot, uh, uncharacteristically turned it over, and then what was even more bizarre was the Zips had a wide-open layup for the win. Kid whiffed it. It was the uh, wildest way to not win a game. So we went into overtime, uh, exciting throughout that portion. Uh, got a little dicey with the Jacks getting down four and then had back-to-back uh, steals to tie it up. Uh, Zips came down, playing for one last possession there. Uh, missed three-point attempt, I believe. Uh, loose ball, and Jacks get called for a foul with two seconds to go. Zips uh, take advantage of that and escape with a one-point win. Definitely, uh, you know, a, would have been a, a great win for the Jacks. I know they're 
uh, pretty bummed about not being able to pull out that one. But uh, the best thing for them is they play on Wednesday night, so uh, very little time to think back on that. So they, they'll be able to forget about that one here real quick and move on. Uh, but, yeah, just a lot of exciting uh, things out of that game from uh, Will Kyle, Zeke Mayo, Alex Arians, and Matt, Ding- Matt Dentlinger all having strong games for Eric Henderson and company. And uh, really a team that's not looking to slow down um, off of last year. They're, they're looking to compete year in and year out. So should be another fun year in Brookings. And I'm excited to get out there for a game or two and see everybody out there. So shout out to all my friends there back in Brookings. Uh, another game I paid attention to on Monday night was uh, the local angle here, St. Thomas. They took on Creighton, number nine in the country. Uh, a team that has a lot of uh, uh, high hopes to be a national title contender. So this was a tough task, a tall task. Literally, Creighton features a seven foot one center in the uh, way of Ryan Kalkbrenner, a kid who was the Big East Defensive Player of the Year last year, uh, will be a first team All League Big East player. You know, looking to be an All American type uh, type kid there with his. Uh, you know, ability to score, protect the rim, rebound, all that jazz. So it was, uh, you know, a lot, a big challenge for Johnny Towers' team. It was a packed house there down in Omaha, 17,000 people on hand to see that game. It was live on Fox Sports 1, which it was uh, very exciting for the program. You know, it didn't, uh, ended up not going St. Thomas's way, but they had a, they put on a fight through and through. You know, they got down a little, uh, Got down big early on, but then clawed back. Uh, their starters all had good games. At halftime, it was uh, forty to thirty-five with Creighton, but uh, it was looking it was looking very competitive throughout. The St. Thomas team is going to be much improved on the defensive end. A lot more length, a lot more athleticism. So I think that's one thing that really showed out in this first game. Uh, the second half was a lot of back and forth action for the first ten minutes, highlighted by. One of my favorite players in the league, Brooks Allen, just a just a good kid who really what, uh, as they say in boxing, really punches above his weight class with what he does for that program, you know, playing against bigger kids, more athletic kids, and uh, always up for that task, whoever he has to guard or go against on the offensive end. Hits a big three. Uh, Tom's take a, a 57-56 uh, lead, but then uh, – Creighton goes on a run that effectively was the difference in the game. Uh, ended up being a 72 to 60 win for Creighton, but nothing to uh, be ashamed of for St. Thomas. They came to play. They weren't afraid of the situation on national TV against a top 10 team, a team looking to play for a national title this year. And uh, just a lot to be excited about over there in St. Paul. Obviously, uh, you know, we, we heard a lot about this freshman class. I've been over to practice a few times, and those kids are really talented. A lot of uh, good pieces there for Johnny Tower and his team. Uh, Andrew Rohde had a spectacular game in his debut as a freshman. Kid out of Brookfield, Wisconsin, over in the Milwaukee area. He ended up with 15 points, uh, handled the ball a lot for the Toms, and uh, just a, a talented perimeter defender as well. And then, uh, the as they call them, the D3 Big Three, uh, Brooks Allen, Riley Miller, Parker Bree Orkland, 
all had strong showings on Monday night. And then really the surprise of the group was uh, Will Ingalls. They love to call him Bill there over in St. Paul. Uh, a good kid, uh, practices tough, practices strong. I didn't honestly think he'd get a lot of playing time this year just because of the depth that this team will now have. But uh, he certainly proved me wrong and had a great night uh, for the Toms. Chipped in with seven points, nine rebounds, couple assists. Just one of those glue guys that's going to be very important for this squad going forward. Um, and yeah, just a lot to be excited. These first few games, they'll uh, you know take a lot to really kind of figure out what they're going to do uh, with some of their lineups, some of their rotations. So we'll see how this shapes up. But by December, I definitely think we'll have a good idea of what the identity of this team is going to look like. And then lastly, uh, Summit League Roundup, uh, Oral Roberts, a team that I have been covering for the past couple of years. They played a late night game out in uh, California against St. Mary's College, who uh, is the arch rival of Gonzaga. So that's kind of what they're most known for. Really well coached team, more defensive minded. But uh, it was a tough task for Oral Roberts. That's a hard road trip. Uh, conflicting uh, styles of play is always uh, an interesting dynamic that you're going to see in that kind of game. Uh, the Golden Eagles, they got out to a rough start. Uh, first half did uh, was really not good by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, weird moment there, first half. I wasn't able to check in until uh, about 10 minutes in, but Max Acemas, their star player, kid plays almost every minute of every game, and he was out uh, for a little bit, uh, I don't think it was anything serious, but at the same time, I have no idea why he was out. Uh, like I said, I didn't tune in for the first 10 minutes of that game. But, uh, yeah, second half was a big struggle. Or first half was a big struggle for Paul Mills' squad there. Second half, they, uh, you know, they calmed down. They settled into their offense. A lot better ball movement. Uh, finding the open man. A lot less iso ball. Uh, you know, one-on-one -on -one ball usually never goes well for anybody. Uh, unless you have some sort of dynamic playmaker that can score over anybody. But really at the mid-major level, that's just not a game you should try and play against, uh, you know, I guess you could say quote-unquote better teams. But uh, the Golden Eagles, they clawed back. Um, like I said, they uh, settled into their offense, which led to a better defensive performance. They got a seven-foot-five center uh, in Connor Vanover. And in the half court, he's going to be a defensive problem for a lot of Summit League teams. He blocked six shots the other night, can rebound well. And uh, on top of that, he shoots threes. It's quite a sight to see a guy his height hit threes and hit them accurately. They, it does not look ugly when he shoots it. It's uh, pretty cool to see. Uh, they ended up uh, falling in that game 78-70, to 70, but uh, that's a team that's going to figure it out. They got one of the best players in the country, Max A. Smith. Uh, rough first half for him, but he ended up with 14 points, seven boards to lead the team, and he's only six foot, so that's always cool to see. Shout out to all the short uh, guys out there. I was a big fan of them, but uh, they will be back in action on Friday uh, against a non-D1 team down in the south. can't remember who, and then uh, next week they're, they're – uh, they resume play against some D1 schools. But that's just kind of the recap so far uh, with Summit League Hoops. I'll get more in-depth with that as this uh, project moves on, try to cover more teams as well, keep you updated. But I'll be honest, those will be the three teams that 
I pay attention to the most that I'll bring most insight to uh, look to add North Dakota state into the mix as uh, you know, another local angle there as they often recruit kids here out of the twin cities. So uh, Fargo fans, Fargo faithful bison fans, stay tuned. Uh, looking to get Dave on this show eventually here um, as I continue to line up interviews as we go. Um, next, we will get into the feature interview of this episode. Uh, first uh, person that I sit down with is Johnny Tower, head men's basketball coach at St. Thomas. Great interview, just a tremendous, a tremendous guy, tremendous leader. Uh, his players love them. They play hard for him. And just a guy I've really uh, come to admire and come to know and just someone who's uh, really opened a lot of doors for me in the last year. So this was someone I wanted to uh, start my podcast career with. And so uh, without further ado, we'll get into that portion of the podcast. All right. Episode one of From My View, I'm here with St. Thomas men's basketball coach, Johnny Tower. Coach, thanks for joining me here today on my first ever episode of this podcast. Hey, thank you, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here and honored. I don't know that I've ever been the inaugural member of a podcast. So, <laughs> well, I thank you. Uh, yeah, uh, the reason I really wanted to have you on first is just, you know, thank you guys for last year, uh, the access you gave me, being allowed to, uh, you know, really follow your year one and uh, just kind of motivated me to do more with reaching the summit with our blogging and podcasting over there. So really appreciate what you guys have allowed me to do and uh, be a part of your journey. Yeah, absolutely. Great to have you here and appreciate all the coverage and reaching the summit. Uh, you know, it's for us, we're thrilled to be in the summit league and um, can't wait for year two to start. Yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting. And speaking of that, just a year one overview. How, how was that for you and the team and not just the the wins and losses but for you being a division three coach a lot of your opponents were either here in the twin cities or down st peter farmington maybe a little over in wisconsin now you're traveling to denver tulsa the dakotas you know how is that adjustment for you as a coach you know that's that's a big bit of a change yeah i i think that was one of the bigger changes when you think about the logistics the travel the scheduling um those were the, I mean, basketball is basketball, right? And, and even at the highest level, I don't care if you're in the NBA, like there's still a lot of things that um, at its core are really important for any team. Clearly the players are bigger and stronger and more athletic. Um, I always thought we went against outstanding coaches in division three. I feel the same way in the summit league and in division one. And so the, the logistics, the travel, I mean, when, when we were in the MIC, uh, I think 18 of our 20 conference games, we would be home by 10 o'clock. You know, you think about that. And in the Summit League, there's a lot more leave on Wednesday, get back late, late Saturday night. Um, so that's different for families. It's different for, um, you know, our players and, and missing classes occasionally. Still, we try to keep that to a minimum. Um, but it's also really fun. I, I I always joke that if if we're on a trip on a plane or a bus and we've got, you know, 20 or 22 guys from coaches to trainers to players and we're not having a good time, then I've hired the wrong people and recruited the wrong people. So it was really, I think the historic nature of D3 to D1, kind of our roster composition last year, it was a really special year in so many ways with lots of firsts, um, but also qualitatively, I think just a lot of really special moments and memories for everybody that was involved in it. Yeah, I think uh, the biggest takeaway looking at you guys last year is 
you know, you, you rolled out with your D3 guys throughout the year. You know, you obviously had a couple of freshmen that uh, had a few minutes here and there. But, you know, I think it was special to see those guys really compete night in, night out. Maybe a couple games where it got away from you. But really, for the most part, you guys were in every game. Uh, had leads in a lot of those games and just seeing that continuity and how that can translate up to division one and seeing the shooting you guys were one of the top shooting shooting teams in the country and then again probably your biggest strength was ball security mm -hmm. i think you led the lead uh the country actually and fewest turnovers allowed and you know not giving away possessions is is a huge thing and so that was fun to watch how you guys can be that way yeah it was it, i think one of those years where our guys in part because of covid and the transition from d3 to d1 that we had this continuity and so a very acute awareness of our strengths and our and our shortcomings, right? And our guys were aware we weren't going to block a lot of shots. We weren't going to play above the rim. And so they knew we had to take care of the ball and we weren't going to get a lot of layups and dunks. So we had to find ways to manufacture three-point shots. We were a really good shooting team, but frankly took a, a higher percentage of three-point shots, I think, than any time in our, in our program's history. Uh, but I think it's one of the things I appreciate most about those guys. You know, when you look at them, they started their career with the dream of winning a Division Three national championship. They were probably as good as any team we've ever had when you look at their te our teams in 2019 and 20 and 21. And then they made this jump to Division One, And I think they did it fearlessly and really competed in a way that both made our university proud and our fans, but also set us up for the next step in the journey. And, and whenever you look at how a program grows and evolves, uh, it, it truly there is sort of this incremental uh, growth year over year, and it's not always linear, but it it is oftentimes, um, I think, marked by leaders like a Ryan Lindbergh and a Bert Hedstrom and a Riley Miller and Anders Nelson, who those four guys had played together four years, Bert and Ryan five years, and they, I think, took on every challenge and said, this is how we have to play to give ourselves a chance, and and they did that really, really well. Yeah, and talking to Riley the other day, one of the things he always um, one of the things he told me was you preach control what you can control. And I think that was uh, pretty evident last year with you guys. Yeah. they knew, And and we made no bones about it, that if we wanted a chance to win, we were going to have to take care of the ball. We we're going to have to shoot threes at a high rate. We we're going to have to limit other teams, transition baskets and second chance, second chance points. Uh, and we felt like if we did those things, we would have a chance. It didn't ensure we were going to win. Um, but I think our guys really, uh, I think they really bought into that and believed that and trusted one another, right? That through the high highs of winning some huge games. And we had a 12 game losing streak during last year. And that might be what made me most proud of the guys last year is they stuck together during that time. And there was no finger pointing. There was no doubt or disbelief in anything. They just focused on, we got to get better. And then to end the season winning two or three games and winning a game on senior night, really the whole season, there were ups and downs like any journey. Um, but I, I was not any more proud of our two national championship teams in 2011 and 2016 than I was in the team last year, because I thought those guys took on a different kind of challenge and they competed like champions every single night. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a good, good time to watch that. And we're going into year two with you guys here now in the league. And uh, you, you add quite a bit, of, quite a mix here. You're going to add some transfers that uh, come in Courtney's uh will start the year Drake not till semester break and then you have this crop of freshmen that you know it's it's an impressive group to see you guys your first full D1 class you know 
with that excitement brings a lot of challenges. We spoke about how ball security was at a huge strength of years last year and just not giving up possessions. Things are going to look a little different this year. While you you are naturally going to be more talented, taller, defensively and rebounding, you know, that should be that should be a huge improvement for you guys. But what are some, some of the challenges that uh, have come about that you've embraced and how that's all going? You're just, just mixing all of these new pieces together with the three, the big three. Yeah, it's you you hit the nail on the head, I think, with with all of that, that we have some returners who really not only have a lot of experience on the court, but really understand sort of the core of our program and what we value. Uh, and those guys have seen a lot in their four and five years at St. Thomas. Um, you know, Will Ingalls, Brooks Allen, Parker Bjorklund, Riley Miller, those four guys have seen seen a lot. And then you've got kind of the other six guys who either came to us last year um, or transferred in and um, they have a different perspective. And then you have four freshmen. So it's almost like you have three groups of guys, right? The guys that are holdovers from Division Three. Uh, and I don't really necessarily love saying that because they've proven they can play in Division One, right? So to call them Division Three players, you're a basketball player or not. We coach lots of guys yeah. in Division Three that I felt like could play at higher levels. And um, I think we're blessed with all 14 of these guys that they understand their contribution. But we, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to lead the country in fewest turnovers because <laughs> we don't have four perimeter players who have played together pretty much every minute for the last four years. I also don't think we're going to be last in the country in block shots because we do have more size and length and athleticism. And so it's going to look different on the court. I, I always say there's certain values and a style that we want to play that should never waver, but we aren't going to shoot as many threes. Hopefully we get more layups and dunks. We probably aren't going to lead the country in fewest turnovers, but hopefully we find ways to manufacture possessions in other ways. And, and frankly, when I look at our program, that's, that's more how our program looked from 2005 to 2017 or so. And then the last few years, we've become really, really heavily perimeter oriented for a, a multitude of reasons. And I think now we've got more size and we're certainly going to try and utilize that and also develop for the coming years. Yeah, nice. And speaking of those uh, freshmen, one thing I want to touch about, touch on is uh, just your recruiting philosophy and really your your philosophy from D3 and how that's now paying dividends for you going into D1. We talked a little bit about it last year um, in a side conversation about you. You still recruited the best schools uh, here in the Twin Cities, but you are going after their third or fourth best player, maybe, mm -hmm. and mixing in a bunch of team team guys that know how to fit into roles and uh, gelling it all together. And now that you have those relationships built with these uh, top schools here in the Twin Cities and the AU programs and how that how you've been able to naturally adjust to D1 recruiting and really the for me to see is how you've adjusted to the transfer portal because that's a real thing now in D1 and you know whether you hate it or you love it you have to you have to accept it and adjust to it and just talk about uh, your your philosophy there and how that's trans translated. Yeah, we're we're I mean obviously very excited about our four freshmen. Um, and recruiting at the division one level, there's certain things that are very similar to division three. There's other things that are different, right? You're offering full scholarships, which at a school like St. Thomas, that's close to $280,000 um, that you're getting for, for free. Um, that's a nice thing to be able to offer a young man, particularly when you look at our alumni network and the types of things that our graduates do when they're done playing. By the same token, it's really, really competitive and, and, there's lots of great college programs out there offering um, 
certainly what their university has. I think um, you alluded to relationships and kind of what we had done in Division Three, and you know maybe it just makes me old, but this is between playing and coaching my 27th year at St. Thomas. And over that time, we've been fortunate, I think, to forge really, really strong relationships with people in the Twin Cities, across the state, and, and as well as regionally. And, and that is a lot of recruiting, right? If you're a player, you certainly are drawn to certain types of schools, but you're also going to listen to your parents and your high school coach and your AAU coach and other people who are in your circle. Um, and so you look at the guys we got this year, and Carter Bjerke was a state champion at Wyzetta. Played for Brian Schnettler, who was an All-American guard here in our all-time leading three-point shooter. Kendall Blue was an All-State player at Eastridge. Played for Josh Beltier, who was a 2010 graduate and captain um, here at St. Thomas. Ajani Lee played for Nick Carroll, most recently at Totino Grace. Um, I had Nick in camp starting when he was about a nine-year-old and, and have known him forever. Um, and then Andrew Rohde played at Brookfield Central. His teammate Ben now is here. His brother Sam was in our program for a little over a year. And his coach, Dan Wandry, has become a good friend. And so, you know, those are four examples. We could go through lots of others. But I, I think when coaches around the area understand what St. Thomas is all about, both stylistically how we play, our values as a program, but also what our university brings, it makes recruiting, I don't want to say it's easy, it's not easy but it makes it a very low pressure proposition where this is what we have to offer. And certain people are gonna be very highly attracted to that if they want, uh, you know, our athletic director, Phil Eston talks all the time about comprehensive excellence. If you wanna be a great student and a great athlete and really, really powerful in our community and do it all at a place that expects you to be high character, then this is a unique, a unique place. And I think it really blends those. If, the, if that's daunting and that's too much for you, then we're not the right place and that's okay too. And I think we've been, even though we made this jump D3 to D1, I think we've tried to be very, very selective in terms of how we've recruited um, because this is such a special place and because our administration has been so good at saying like the, the goal is not to win quick. The goal is to continue to be excellent and build something sustainable at the division one level. So winning is important, but not at the expense of all of that other stuff. And I, to me, that it's a big part of why I've stayed here for so long is because I really think our institution and our leadership are so committed to that comprehensive excellence. Yeah, and uh, one last uh, basketball question, you know, yeah, and, and going back to that, I think too, just that excellence and being a, uh, another division one school here in the Twin Cities. I'm a homer when it comes to looking at the high school scene, where these kids go and following their journey. So it's fun to see them have another uh, option here in the Twin Cities to stay around. And so it's fun to see the guys that you brought in that were local high school stars. So that's that's a, another fun part that I think a lot of fans will appreciate too. Well, I think one of the misconceptions is you go to Division One and you suddenly recruit nationally. And frankly, I don't think that's the case. Certainly not at the point we're at that um, we're going to look at kids all around the country and we're certainly going to look at kids regionally. But we're also realistic about right now, who knows most about our story? People who live in Minnesota, people who live in the Dakotas, Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois, and I think as our program continues to grow, we will recruit more and more nationally. But the, the kids right now who have come in, I think they understand their unique opportunity to really take this program from one of the elite ones in Division Three to a story that is uh, truly unique in the country that people around the country, who was the school that got removed from their conference and now they went D3 to D1? Like, what is going on? Mm -hmm. And these guys are getting a chance to put their fingerprints on it and leave an indelible mark. Uh, and, and for me as a coach, that's, 
That's why you get into coaching to help young people. Rarely in life were you afforded a chance to do something that's never been, never been done before. And so um, for me at this point in my career, um, you know, I've loved coaching at St. Thomas for 23 years and loved our days in Division Three. But now to get to do this in Division One, it it's hard to put into words because truly we're getting to make history and I think help advance this institution while helping young people achieve their goals and grow and develop. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but it really is. That's the business that all of us as educators and coaches, that's why you get into this business. Mm -hmm. It's not to win and lose. Yes, we all love that part of it, but it is about young people and trying to help them through this critical point in their lives so that when they come out on the other end, they look at this as a transformative experience and then they give back to people um, as they go into work. Another uh, recruiting tool that you can use is your, your opener this season. You guys are going to be playing on national TV against creating a top 10 team. You know, how excited are you for that opportunity? You know, no matter how the game goes, just to say, hey, look, you come here, game one, we're playing on Fox Sports 1, opening night of basketball. You can be seen all across the country. How, how exciting is that for you and now to use that going forward? Yeah, what, what a great game and opportunity. And I, I give a lot of credit. My associate head coach, Mike Maker, um, does a lot with our schedule and is really tireless working um, at that part of it. A uh, lot more goes into that than most people know. Um, Mike coached at Creighton for a year um, back in 08, and so he has some connections there. But when I look at what we're doing at St. Thomas, um, and, and we're certainly very proud of who we are and embrace that. But there are also, I think, some peer institutions around the country that you can certainly look at and say, okay, who are some schools that we can model ourselves after? And oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, those are Catholic, urban, really high academic schools. And Creighton is one of them, right? People will talk about Villanova, they'll talk about Gonzaga, and you can go coast to coast, Lola, Chicago, DePaul, Marquette. But Creighton right now, how many urban Catholic institutions are ranked in the top 10 in the country? Not very many, and we get to play at one of them. And I think we're going to learn a lot, not just from that game, but also looking at Creighton's journey over the last 25 years or so. What they've done is truly remarkable. And so it, I do think that will be a game that our guys will always remember. We're going to learn a lot about this team, but it's also part of our job to provide student athletes with experiences that are going to um, shape the way that they see the world. And when we walk out in front of 18,000 people on Monday night, I'm, I'm certain that's going to be a moment where they all pinch themselves a little <laughs> bit. And then, and then we'll be out there playing against a team that a lot of, a lot of fans think is a legit final four contender. And so that, you know, you might say it's a baptism by fire. You might not say, or you might say it's not the smartest game to open with, but I think it's, um, I think it's great both for our team and for our university. I'm just thinking of that scene from Hoosiers where they go to, uh, state championship and they're doing all the measurements right. yes, we'll have to do that just make to calm the nerves a little bit <laughs> make sure the, i'll tell you make sure the hoop's 10 feet and with the height of some of their players it ain't gonna look like it's 10 <laughs> feet it probably looks like it's about eight and a half feet when you see their seven foot center out there it's uh they're they're really impressive as a team but it's also another one of those moments i think where um your analogy about the 10 foot hoop and the 15 foot free throw line it's much more about us being us and are we more talented than Creighton right now? No, we know that, right? Our players are, are aware of that, but that doesn't mean we can't go out there and work on being the best version of us that we are and taking care of the ball and being unselfish and, and being tough on defense and all those things that we can control. If we do those, then we're going to walk out of that game 
feeling like we've improved as a team and that's ultimately the goal. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching that on TV on Monday. That'll be fun. Uh, one last one and uh, I'll let you get back uh, to practice here. Just kind of a bonus fun one that I'd like to throw in at the end with uh, you and players whenever talking to them is, uh, have you had that talk with Ajani yet about not dunking over students? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, on, uh, on Wednesday at Hoops Hysteria, you know, and I, I hope there's some dunks that bring the house down this year uh, and in the coming years with with some of our guys. But no, that was that was one of those moments you have as a parent sometime where like, uh oh, this is not going well. And so, no, that there will be some clauses in future dunk contests <laughs> with more guardrails and rules and regulations. But it is also is one of those nights that you see guys trying things and you just see their kind of youthful exuberance. And I thought our crowd support was was awesome that night. I think that. You know, after Creighton, we come home on Friday against Chicago State, Sunday against St. Francis. I think that's going to be just a magical weekend of basketball at St. Thomas, where our students and our fans and our alums will all be out wanting to get their first look at this year's team, whether it be the veterans coming back, the freshmen, everybody else in between. Um, but no, Johnny will not be dunking over anybody else uh, anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Coach. I appreciate it. And uh Look forward to the season. All right. Thank you, Tim. Appreciate being on. Well, Tom's. Always fun to sit down with JT, uh, whether we're talking uh, regular conversation, talking basketball, talking about this transition that they've uh, gone through. Uh, he always gives me the time of the day and just a good guy overall. Um, want to thank him, especially for the past year. As I mentioned earlier, I worked for South Dakota State while I was in college as a grad assistant, and that was a, a great time in my life being a part of college basketball. I've been out of it for uh, many years now. Uh, with my time with Reaching the Summit, I've been able to trickle back into the college basketball scene, but uh, really over the last year, uh, my life in terms of uh, getting into college basketball has really changed dramatically and uh, I owe a lot of that to Coach Tower because of the access he's allowed me to have with his team being around them at practices games uh, what have it so I uh, can't say enough about that guy and also want to give a shout out to his entire staff uh, getting to know those guys Coach Maker, hilarious guy, great coach as well. Coach Cam, someone around my age that uh, I've known of for quite a few years, and uh, I always enjoy shooting the breeze with him. Coach Kenny, another good dude. Josh, who has uh, really helped set up a lot of this uh, between Coach Tower and the players that I'll have on later. And then uh, Dennis, a new member of that staff, who's uh, another fun guy to be around as well. So just a great staff in general. I always enjoy my time with those guys. And so I just want to give a special shout out to them. Next up, uh, I'm going to end every episode, hopefully every episode, with a uh, you know a player profile portion where I'd sit down with one player in the league. Maybe uh, occasionally I'll jump out of the league as well. But uh, for now, going to be doing a lot of work with uh, Tommy players just because of that ease of access. Living here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, I work about 10 minutes from campus, so just a lot more uh, access with that program, so it'll be easier to get a, a hold of those guys. First man up uh, is Riley Miller, senior sharpshooter out of Eden Prairie. He prepped at Benilde St. Margaret and uh, has had one heck of a journey at St. Thomas. Uh, joined that team uh, really with the plans of uh, 
went in a Division Three national title, had two very successful D3 years, then the shortened COVID season, then they got kicked out of their conference and Division Three just because they were too good. So they made this unprecedented move to Division One. So uh, Riley and I talk a lot about that, what that experience has been like with him. Uh, for him, I should say, and then uh, end it with some fun questions. So uh, next, we'll jump into that. All right, we're back here again, this time with uh, senior sharpshooter Riley Miller. Uh, Riley, how's it going? Good, good. Thanks for having me. Hey, absolutely. Uh, Riley, last year was uh, quite a uh, year for you guys, especially you seniors who have gone through quite a bit. Um, talk about your journey just here at St. Thomas. You read your two first years of regular D3, a full season, then you had a, a shortened COVID year. I think you guys only played seven games and then something like that, and then uh, jumped up to D1, wondering what that's like, and then just expectations going into year two. Yeah, I mean, just looking back at my career in general, we always talk about with Coach Tower battling adversity, and I think control you can control, and I don't think anyone can control a global pandemic hitting and then getting kicked out of your division and having to go D1. So for me, it was just doing what you can do and working hard, and obviously it's paid off because I think we've kind of shown that not just me, but my other D3 teammates that we can play in Division One. So that's a blast. And like we had a really good year last year relative to what we were expecting coming. Like we had high expectations, but I don't think the rest of the public did. But this year it's kind of interesting to blend some of the young talent we have and and like the length and and all those guys. But then we lose obviously veteran presence and some shooting. So it's kind of just. I have a, a interesting position to blend it all together as a leader, and I'm I'm enjoying it. I was going to ask you about that. You know, throughout your career um, here, you've always had you know veteran teams. Kind of the keys to the cog was always guys that have played with each other year in and year out. This is going to be a different year for you guys. You bring in a lot of talent, but it's a bunch of young guys. Uh, you have a couple transfers that you got to mix into the uh, mix in as well. You as you know, really one of the leaders, if not the leader of the team. What has uh, JT put on you as far as trying to internally try to help put that all together? Yeah, I mean, in years past, I think it was lead by like this group, whether it was me, Durs, Kev Cunningham, Burt Ryan, all those guys. We all, we didn't, no one had to speak up out of turn or anything like that. We all were smart, intelligent, and were able to lead together. Whereas now it's kind of myself, Brooks, Parker, and even guys like Brooks and Parker. They haven't played in a whole lot of games or meaningful minutes, and they're, they're obviously great basketball players. But so now it's kind of I've tried to take more of a vocal leadership role, and that's always been that's been probably the biggest challenge for me, just because I like to lead by example. I'm not some guy that's going to talk your ear off or anything. So someone that's helped me with that is Cam Rundles, our coach, assistant coach. He's he's always talking on the floor, big communicator. So he's kind of helped me through that and just grow as a leader. Good, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, with the infusion of young guys, bigger guys, you know, Brooks and both Parker, they can kind of float around, play different positions. They don't always have to play down low. Last year, one of the things you guys, um, you, you couldn't really crash the boards. You had to get back on D. As a shooter, is it nice to know that you have more size out there that maybe you can play a little looser, you don't have to take the perfect shot yeah. every time? 
be able to play a little more uh, relaxed basketball and then also be excited about maybe some energy plays where an O, o board gets a kick out back to you and you hit a big shot uh, you know is that something you that you're looking forward to something that you guys are really working on more uh, more of an yeah. offensive uh, second chance yeah i think a lot of people coming in this year were saying you lose a lot of shooting so the spacing is going to be harder which there there's a point to that but what we always talk about is the two easiest shots in basketball for me to get off are transition threes and offensive rebound kickout threes. And defensively, we are more versatile and longer, so we can get more stops push and transition. And then we're obviously crashing the glass and have big guys. So that creates a lot of easier opportunities for me, and I'm seeing it already. Nice. Uh, one of your uh, heralded freshmen is Andrew Rohde from Wisconsin, absolute sniper. Who's a better shooter? It depends on the day. <laughs> he can shoot it for sure. He's, he, I'm, I'm older, so I always let him, you know, do all the crazy athletic stuff. But I, I, I'm, I'm a vet. I know how to get my spots without expending too much energy at this point. <laughs> Good deal. Uh, one more serious question, then we'll have, a, we'll do another fun one. But uh, going into year two, last year, uh, you, I think you averaged around 15 points. Your shooting translated. You shot around 40%. One of the top shooters in the country. Um, people are going to know it. The, the league knows about you now. Yeah. You know, what's kind of, what are you working on to uh, maybe work on some separation uh, and getting more free looks now that there's going to be a focus, especially beginning of the year when teams scout you guys. They're going to know exactly who Riley Miller is, what he does, and they're going to key on you. So what, what have you been working on to uh, kind of know that's coming? Yeah, a lot of it is is punishing them if they run me off the three-point line so I got to be more than just a three-point shooter which I think I've always been I get labeled a shooter which is fine by me but I, I want people to know I can do more than that and then the other aspect is is strength and conditioning which our strength coach coach B has been great she's helped me and throughout the summer just uh, expanding getting some weight just so I can take some contact if they get up in me whether it's coming off screens off the ball or, or getting pushed with the ball or something I don't know just she's helped me with that nice and then uh, one more fun one here I think it was this summer I believe it was you that uh, sunk a hole in one yeah and I like to stir the pot a little bit within the league and we got a conversation going about uh, match play between teams in the league you're, you're, you're captain of a two-man match team. Who on the team are you riding with to uh, be the Summit League basketball golfing champs? Yeah, me and Brooks. Got to be me and Brooks. <laughs> I think, I, yeah. And I, I know if, if Matt Mims is listening to this, I still want to play him. I know, I know when he comes to the Twin Cities, we're going to get some dinner or something afterwards. But, uh, right. yeah, I'm looking forward to a little golf. Mimsy, that's a shout-out <laughs> to you, brother. He's waiting for you. Yeah, yeah. All right, Riley. Well, hey, looking forward to tonight. Looking forward to this year. Uh, really excited to see how you guys develop. And uh, thanks again for doing this, man. Yep, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, folks, that will do it for the first episode of From My View. Thank you for joining me here and uh, sticking through it to the end. I promise to continue to improve on making this a better product as we go forward. Uh, hopefully, I'll have uh, some guest hosts as we go on to uh, have more conversation to begin with at the beginning of each episode. But uh, really looking forward to some of the guests I'm having on 
uh, in the future here and hope to plan on having in the future as well. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to next week as we'll have Eric Henderson, head men's basketball coach for South Dakota State. Uh, We had a great time sitting down on Friday and uh, discussing the upcoming season here. And uh, so we'll recap their uh, first week before jumping into that interview next week. But uh, until then, take care and look forward to uh, making another show for you guys.